0: thankful for the opportunity to be here uh, again this Lord's Day. Your bulletin would be correct in terms of the scripture reading and title of the sermon if I had not decided last night to change what I was going to preach. It's not supposed to happen that way, but it did as I never really got much of a burden for the message I was uh, going to preach. And given that it's the Lord's Supper, I decided to work on something I had wanted, I've wanted to preach for the longest time. So will you turn with me, please, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to read a couple different sections from this chapter. I wish I could read the whole thing, but uh, because it gives a a great sense of the context. It's actually one of my uh, most favorite chapters in all of the Bible. But uh, before we even do that, let's ask for the Lord's help. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us, that in all things your instructions are provided for us to teach us about you and about us and our greatest needs, our problems our failures, and the hope that we have in you, Lord Jesus. So fix our eyes upon our Savior, Holy Spirit, this day and upon your Word and give us understanding, especially as we come together around this table. We ask all of it in Christ's name. Amen. Beginning in verse... 25 of John 6, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. But because you ate your fill of the loaves, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, The bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst but i said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me i will never cast out for i have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Move down with me, please, now to verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Word of God. This past week, you may have heard the story about the Delta Flight 2385 parked on the tarmac at JFK International Airport for several hours, was to fly to Miami. But because of the weather in New York and the weather in Miami, the flight was delayed and there it sat on the tarmac. And if you've flown before and you've had such a delay, it's a pretty frustrating thing to be in a plane for a couple hours that isn't moving while well, you're packed in that plane like sardines, right? It's rather frustrating. I'm thankful for times like that that I can actually fall asleep. but this plane sat there for somewhere between six and eight hours and eventually i don't know at what point the the people began to become more and more visibly frustrated there was a delay for them to eventually bring drinks and snacks some people claim they never offered but you know there's always this uh contention about what was said and done and what actually took place and fights actually started to break out on the plane and the police had to be called to come and resolve the conflict eventually the flight took off some eight hours after it was scheduled to leave. You can understand if you're in that situation how that could happen we can sum it up. People started to grumble about the inconveniences they faced on their flight and about such things like, hey, you know, when are you going to us, offer us some drinks and some food? And we know in the Bible that type of thing took place, don't we, in the wilderness as the people were going along Grumbling, and I have to be honest, as I've put myself in that situation, I couldn't see myself responding any differently. Grumbling about water and bread and meat. And in Numbers 11, which I believe is looking ahead to what we're reading in this chapter, and maybe you've never seen this before, one of the things the people said was this. Oh, that we were back in Egypt. Do you remember when we were in Egypt? We ate fish for free. And then they went on to talk about cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But all we have now is this stinking manna. And they're grumbling. About not having any meat, and God says, oh, I'll give you meat. I'll give you so much meat that it's eventually going to come out of your nostrils. I mean, how about a little bit of compassion, Lord? But you see, he was pointing out something very important. You're not seeking me. You're rejecting me. You want the stuff I give, and I give it. In my grace and mercy, I freely give it. But you're not looking to me. You're rejecting me. And Moses says, You know, Lord, how can I give them all this to eat? You know, he, he told them, I'm going to give you everything you want to eat. You'll have it until it comes out of your nostrils. And then he said, maybe you've never seen this. I actually have never, this has never registered with me until this morning. He said, even if I had all the fish in the sea, it wouldn't be enough for them. What was Moses saying? How can I provide this food, Lord? And the Lord says, Moses, this isn't about you. This is about me. Is my arm too short that I am unable to do this? And then he sent them meat. He sent them quail three feet deep for a day's walk. It's the it, the thought of a disaster. And then while the meat was between their teeth, he struck them with a terrible plague because of their grumbling and their rejection of him. John 6, we have something very different. The people are grumbling, but do you see why they're grumbling? not because of the food they didn't get. Jesus had fed them miraculously. You remember? 5,000 5, men, that's not counting the, the women and children, of these people who are following him because they saw the signs he did. And he says to Philip, you know, who's gonna, where are we going to get something for them to eat? Philip says, Lord, even if we had 200 days' wages, we couldn't get enough food. For them, and and uh, eventually they find uh, that this little boy has five loaves of bread and three fishes, and somehow the Lord miraculously provides a meal for these thousands of people. And they say, "Oh, this must be the prophet." Five loaves and three fishes, feeding thousands with 12 baskets full of bread fragments left over. He gave them the food. They saw it, and they continued to follow him. They went across the Sea of Galilee. Galilee, that's where our reading picks up. Lord, when did you get here? You know, Why would you leave without us? We're following you. And do you remember what Jesus said? By the way, this is something of an introduction, but my challenge is coming way later in the sermon. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach the three-hour sermon that Jeremy mentioned earlier. And I, I'm not watching that clock, but I have my watch up here. Do you remember what he said? You're, you're not following me because of the signs. You're following me because I gave you food to put in your belly. And eventually we find out that Jesus talks about the fact that the bread that comes from heaven, that God gave in the wilderness, that was all about him. He is the bread. We'll talk more uh, about this in a little bit, but I want to get to my main challenge here. And he goes on to start talking about something that would have been utterly abominable to a Jew. Starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. This bread from heaven, it's his flesh and his blood. And they're grumbling. Do you understand what is taking place here? They're grumbling not about the food they got, but but what about the food he was offering? You see, that food in the wilderness all the way back in the time of Moses was pointing ahead to something greater. That miracle of provision was pointing ahead to the food he had to give as Savior, and he was telling them, I want you to feed on me. So that brings us to our challenge as we come to the Lord's table today, that we would come to feed upon Jesus Christ, which is none other than receiving him anew as our savior. As we continue to look at this text, not much longer actually, and you hear, a, uh, we, we read it all about eating flesh and drinking blood, and and I'll say to you, you maybe you've read some commentary uh, as it comes to this passage and, and tells you, you know, the, the gospel of John is the only one of the four gospels that doesn't have an account of the Last Supper and the institution of what we know is the Lord's Supper. And that's true. And some people say, well, well, there's John chapter 6. And maybe you've heard a commentator say something like this. John 6 is not about the Lord's Supper, however, the Lord's Supper is about John 6. In other words, the spiritual reality and what goes on here as we partake of this bread and this cup today, the spiritual reality is explained in John chapter 6 as Jesus presents himself as this bread from heaven. And notice, and I I sought to emphasize this while I was reading when the Jews said, hey, listen, what what sign will you give? What work will you do to show that you're somebody sent from God? You know, Moses gave us uh, bread. From heaven and the man in the wilderness. And Jesus said rightly so, as Moses misunderstood that he was going to give people food. Moses didn't give this to you, the Father gave it to you. And then he said I am the bread of life. And again, if you've read any commentaries on the Gospel of John, you will read of this theme that occurs throughout the gospel, the I am statements of Jesus, which are clearly calling us back to the time of Exodus chapter 3 and the burning bush when Moses says, uh, who should I say sent me whenever the people ask? What's your name? I am that I am the eternal self-existent God who doesn't need a bush to burn. It is a flame that is eternal and has its essence in and of itself. He is the I am. He is the Lord. And Jesus, when he makes this statement, the Jews would have understood this, when he says, I am the bread of heaven, they would have known that he was claiming to be God. But they wouldn't believe. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that this bread that comes from heaven is his flesh. And, of course, there would have been offense taken if Jesus said, are you offended by this? Then I'm telling you, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. And then he goes on to explain, and I wish we had more time, My flesh. Say you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're misunderstanding. My words are not about flesh and blood in the end. They're about something spiritual. They're about the fact that I am the one who gives eternal life. Not just life to sustain you through bread and meat, but eternal life. And then he says, it is, verse 63, is the key verse of this chapter. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. I'm not talking about my flesh. I'm not talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. But he did state it in a way that he knew would offend them because he knew they were following him for the food he gave them. Jesus sometimes said things to create offense on purpose. And then he says, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you won't believe, and here's a this chapter. I, I, I'm not opening this up. It's a wonderful chapter on effectual calling, the idea that if... You believe on Jesus, it's because God has worked it in your heart to believe on Jesus. Some of you don't believe, and they turn away. They, 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 they're offended by Jesus, by what he has to say. And then he turns to the disciples, and this is important too. This moving statement that occurs turns to the twelve. Are you going to go away too? you going to turn away? And Peter, sometimes he got it dead on. He was always quick to speak. Sometimes he got it really well and other times he didn't. He got it really well this time. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter got it. Jesus wasn't talking about his flesh and blood. He was talking about himself as a savior and recognizing he brought the good news. He brought the eternal life. If they feed on him, they would never hunger or thirst again. They got it. And here's what the Lord's Supper is all about. This bread, and you, you go, you know, we're further informed in Matthew 26 and Mark 14 and Luke 22 about the Last Supper and what it represents. The bread, Jesus said, is my body. The wine, the cup is my blood. But when he says that, and I, I say some of the reformers here, Got it right to say, when he says is, it means signifies. The bread signifies my body. The blood signifies, or the the cup signifies my blood that is given, or shed, the bread my body which is given. That when we eat the bread and drink the cup, We are feeding on Jesus. Or, as reformers, I'd I'd like to give a whole hour lecture on this, uh, but I won't. Reformers like Ulrich Zwingli and Johannes Echolampadius and William Tyndall made it very clear to believe is to eat. In other words, when we're eating, we're believing on Jesus, or I would offer somewhat of just a little bit of a, an adjustment here. When we take that bread into our mouths and drink of that cup and take it into our mouths, we are receiving Jesus Christ anew. It's not like you receive him once and done and, and he leaves, uh, that type of thing but we are receiving him anew, we're being, we're communing with him anew. And so it isn't as the Roman Catholic Church teaches that somehow while the outside of the bread and the the cup appear to be bread and wine or grape juice, in terms of the smell and what we see and what we taste, somehow the essence of it is changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ so that we are truly feeding on the flesh and blood of Christ. We can't accept that. and We can't accept the, the uh, Lutheran doctrine that while the essence of the bread and the, the wine remain exactly as they are, somehow mystically surrounding those elements, the literal flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, which we can't see which has its own problems to say it like this, we are truly taking in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. Nor, and I'll get, my, I get, myself, I'll get myself in trouble, maybe here in, in OPC churches, nor do I, I believe we can accept what John Calvin says when he says, the spirit comes during the Lord's supper and lifts us into heaven where we partake of the... He literally says this, folks. I'm not making it up. We partake of the vivifying flesh of Christ. How does that happen? How are we partaking of the vivifying flesh, the life-giving flesh of Jesus? He says it's a mystery. And I... I... I don't believe we we ought to accept that. And as somebody who has an interest in church history, uh, Ulrich Zwingli is often maligned as teaching this bare memorial view of the Lord's Supper. We're just remembering what Christ did. That's not what he teaches at all. He teaches that Christ is present here. And we are feeding on him spiritually by believing on him or, as I said, receiving him. We're not, my brothers and sisters, when we come to this table, we're not getting a different Jesus than what we get when we believed on him, when the gospel was presented to us. But we are getting him in a very special way as we partake of that bread and that cup. And what a blessing it is. We are feeding on Christ. I think it's problematic to talk about sacramentally feeding on his flesh and blood, which many Reformed theologians will will do. But rather, I want to say, we are feeding on Christ. We are receiving him anew, the very one in whom we believed. We are communing with him, this one to whom we are united. And what a glorious blessing it is. And so in the Lord's Supper, we're not coming like the Jews in the wilderness and the Jews at the Sea of Galilee. We're not coming for what Jesus gives us. We are coming to him for him. Not coming to him for what he gives. Not coming so much for the gift, but for the giver. We are coming to feed on Christ. May that be the case for us today. May we rejoice in it. Come to Jesus and feed upon him. And all oh, beware of when you go away of any grumbling in the heart that would lead you to complain about what he hasn't been giving you when he is giving you himself. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given yourself. You have shed your blood. And you want us to feed upon you. To eat is to believe, to believe is to eat. May we come in faith. May we receive a blessing, but maybe come less for the blessing and more for the giver of the blessings. May we truly feed upon you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, may you bring this to pass. We ask it in Christ's name. And we pray for not only these things, but ask that you will give all that you desire in the prayer which Christ himself has taught us. Together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.